The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. On the line with me, a a teacher, an educator, someone that has uh, done so much for so many people in the education system. He has been himself a teacher of history and government in high school. He's a big advisor for Christian clubs. He's been repeatedly named the most inspirational teacher. He teaches from the Bible, a biblical worldview. And I think that is so important. He encourages teachers, something we'll be talking about today, how to live their life for the Lord and to do it legally. Married for 25 years to his wife, Elizabeth, and three daughters in tow. Welcome, David Schmoose. It's so great to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. I'm so happy to be with you. You know, I think the only thing I left out in that is where you are calling from, and that is from the state of California uh, on, yep. wa- on what would be the left coast in more ways yep. than I'm in, one. I'm, I'm in Orange County, so we're kind of doing a, a Disney to Disney thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Reputation is, is taking a little tarnish lately, but uh, nonetheless, that's uh, where I am. Yeah, it is so interesting. Yeah, that that is so true. Reputation around here has definitely... Um, well, I, I think the circle around most of Disney's eye matches that uh, one of their mouse ears. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it is definitely tough. And uh, yeah. I I, uh, I know it's not that much better in California. Now, you guys deal with things that, uh, as we love to say here in Florida, the free state of Florida would not have to deal with. Yes. Yes, yes, I'm I'm a bit jealous. I will say, um, I, I I prefer our weather, but um, I I think I would feel a little more home uh, in many other ways uh, uh, over there in Florida. So. Yeah, I know that a lot of people would love to trade governors, but we're going to keep mm-hmm. ours as long as we can. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I first heard about you through our mutual friend of David Piccolo. Mm-hmm. Yes, wonderful man. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he speaks so highly of you and the work that you do with Christian Educators Association International, otherwise known as CEAI. So that's that's really great, and I'm sure that uh, David Piccolo is just one of the many uh, great relationships you get to make uh, as your role for that organization puts you in front of a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yes, it does. I remember when I came to... Uh, Florida several years ago, and David Piccolo was uh, just a chance encounter that our team had met there in Florida a month or so before, and thought it would be a good connection. I went in his office. He was a principal there at a high school, a a very uh, needy high school in many ways. He had come out of uh, a different role to just step down from superintendency to to, uh, to principal a high school because he felt the Lord was calling him to do it. And I just had the privilege of sitting there and praying in his office and saying, Yes, we need godly men and women in our public schools, and David was a great example of that. That's really wonderful. He is indeed, and and what a man of faith. I really loved getting to interview him, getting to know him, and 
you know, finding out it's not every day now that we get to talk to people who are as bold as that because he walked away from what would have been a nice, comfortable situation and uh, mm-hmm. decided to enter one that would be a, a little bit of uh, a, a different take, if you will, on on uh, job security. <laughs> that is no, yep. that is not something that a lot of people in this day and age are willing to do. But he had great courage, and I, I so appreciated his story. Tell us your story, David. Yes. How did you, uh, sure. what part of the country did you sure. come from? Well, I'm, I'm a Southern California, born and raised, so I've been here uh, all my life, exception, of course, of some travels here and there. But, um, yeah, so I uh, had a calling pretty early on uh, to go into ministry. And so uh, shortly out of college, uh, where I went to Pepperdine University uh, in a tough place called Malibu, was a you know challenge for someone yeah. to do oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, tough tough life. <laughs> I um, I after about a year, I was a political science major. After a year working in politics, realizing I love the ideas of politics, but I didn't so much like the uh, the day to day activities of politics. I um, I felt the Lord saying, you know, go to seminary, uh, enrolled at Talbot Seminary at Bible University, uh, pursued a master's degree, and toward the end of my experience there. Uh, the Lord really began to open my heart and eyes to the public schools as a mission field. And so uh, I began to uh, see how I could add to my seminary degree a teaching credential and eventually got a job at actually my alma mater high school. So where I went to school, I, I came back 10 years later as a, as a teacher. And uh, that was fun because many of my former teachers were still on staff and it was uh, that was a bit awkward at first, but uh, I got over that. And I just had a rich 15 years of ministering uh, in a public school environment. I know that probably brings up a lot of questions amongst your listeners in terms of how do you do that. And, of course, we're going to talk about that today. But uh, the public schools are desperate for men and women of faith who, who walk who you know walk out a, a real Jesus in a real place. I know that, that sounds maybe a funny way to say it. But, uh, you know, Jesus did not stay within the confines of the synagogue walls. Of course, he stepped out. And he went into places that you wouldn't typically think religious people would go. And, and uh, many of our public schools you know, fit that description. But, uh, and so I just saw that these kids are broken. They're needy. They're without fathers. They, they just were desperate for what, whatever it was that I carried, which was completely from the Lord. I got mm-hmm. to advise the Christian club for 15 years. Uh, and toward the end of my time there, really began to function very much like a campus chaplain. Of course, at a public school, you can't, you know, use that title, but but that's really how I functioned, uh, both to staff and to students. And and you know, you can't um, can't really uh, be real uh, overt with students uh, if you want to keep your job. But um, you know, there are ways. And uh, and so I just saw the Lord bless us. We would have students in our homes. We would put our Christmas parties. I lived in the same neighborhood that I taught in, so I would see them at the store, and I would uh, just a chance to speak into their lives. And and uh, I, I I just really loved that experience. And uh, I was always struck with how biblically uh, naive many of my students were. I, I would. Um, might, might find this hard to believe, maybe more so in a state like Florida, but I would ask my students how many, you know, something would come up like Noah's Ark, and I would say, oh, you guys know the story of Noah's Ark, right? And and I'd get blank stares, you know? And yeah, there was a few, but um, and in some cases, most of my students didn't know the story of Noah's Ark. Isn't you know? that something? And yeah, and I got to, and I got to sort of be the only Jesus that many of them would, would have, at least for that season of their lives. And 
And I just love that opportunity to say, okay, uh, you know, I better, <laughs> I better kind of bring it in the sense of, of be uh, in the spirit and, and, and not, and represent Jesus well, not, not with anger, you know, but with love and compassion and truth, because, because um, they, they, I'm not the only one they see. And so, but I, I love that. Uh, it was so much fun. I got to, I led students to Christ, uh, particularly when I remember when she came back after graduation, she just came back and sat in my classroom and said, Mr. Schmoose, I know you talked about some things that piqued my attention. Uh, what is this about? I got to lead her to Christ and later baptize her. I got to uh, foster parent, uh, a student of mine who had been in 12 different foster homes in 15 years. Uh, she came to the Lord. I got to do her wedding, and she just graduated with a, oh, with a awesome. marriage master's in marriage and family therapy from a Christian university. Uh, I got to baptize several students uh, after they graduated. Um, just did see, saw God do so many things uh, that were so uh, wonderful to be a part of. And so, um, when I got a call, I started getting involved with uh, with Christian Educators Association as a ministry in 2005. You know, and that was really about the union issue. You know, uh, we don't it may not get a lot of talk in terms of what teachers talk about, but but there's this pressure, and it's you know that can vary by state. Florida has not, I don't believe, been a strong union state, but California very much is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there's this. Back then, there was legal requirements to be a part of the union, or at least give them give them agency fees or or fair share fees. Sometimes they're called. And after a few years of that and seeing what the union was doing with my money, I just said, I, I can't do this in good faith anymore. I can't, I can't support the kinds of things they're supporting. Uh, I can't have my dollars uh, advocating this agenda. And so I looked into what I could do, and, and I became a fair share uh, agency fee payer in 2005. And so I at least stopped you know, giving all my money to the union. And I said, well, okay, now, I'm not, now that I'm not in the union, I need liability insurance, I need job protection, I need, I need those things. And so I found those in the Christian Educators Association uh, as a biblical alternative and, and for much, much less money uh, per year uh, to do that. It's, mm-hmm. uh, at least for California, where about uh, 20% of the cost of the union uh, dues, that will vary by state because union dues vary by state. But um, so I did that. And then uh, joined for those reasons, and then in 2010, I got involved with a with more of the ministry side, you might say, uh, versus the professional association side of CAI. Mm-hmm. I I went to a weekend conference, and I kind of found my tribe. You know, uh, finding finding Christian teachers in public schools is actually pretty easy. Uh, you go on any campus in America, you'll find you know half half the teachers, probably maybe more in many cases. Would say they identify on some level with with religion or, or, or Christian religion or a church or, or whatever a faith a tradition, but finding teachers who really want to pray, who really want to seek the kingdom, who really want to see, have, see all that God has for a, for a school and for their students and for their lives, uh, those people, those teachers are a little bit harder to find. And when I sat in this weekend conference. Uh, in a place called Dana Point, California, and I sat there, and, I, and as we went around the room and introduced myself, I realized, oh my gosh, I found my tribe. These are the teachers that want to see God move on their campuses and their schools. And so I began to get more involved, I began to lead those conferences in the coming years, and then in 2015, I was invited to come on staff um, uh, with Christian educators to be to be actually mentored to become the executive director. And so it's funny, uh, Mike, I, I prayed about that, and I said, well, Lord, uh, do you really want me to leave teaching? Because I love teaching. I, I saw the, what God was doing with me there. Do you really want me to leave teaching to come on staff and then eventually leave this, this ministry? And 
And I was remember I was down in front of church worshiping, and I was asked, speaking to the Lord about it. And um, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was one of those things you just kind of knew it was the Lord. Oh yeah. And he said, Dave. And he said, David, um, my army is already in the schools. Your job is to wake them up. And I, I you know, I, I started to look into that and say, what does that mean? And and realized, oh my gosh, you know, according to George Barna, about about half of all the nation's public school educators uh, say that say their faith is important to them and go to church at least once a month. You know, that half, that, that's a lot. And But we know that if, if, if half of the teachers in our public schools were filled with the Holy Spirit, were, were, were being, you know, becoming mature in Christ, were being discipled, were discipling others, you know, all those things that mark mature believers, we know our schools would look very different, right, than they currently do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's not to say that that's not happening in a few schools or a few places around the country, but clearly nationwide, that's not what's happening. That's not what we're seeing. And so uh, I'm convinced that there's just an army of these um, kind of more uh, latent or, or um, I don't know, I don't want, I don't want to use terms like nominal, but, but pe- people in the schools that, yes, they claim Christ, but there's something missing in terms of how they're living that out, in terms of the, the kind of faith that they're exercising, the kind of things they're trusting the Lord to do. And so um, my, my calling, my goal now is, is to wake those folks up and say, hey, Jesus has so much more than, than you may realize as, as a, for you as a public school educator and, and for you to bless your students, to bless your schools, and, and to see what God will do if, you, if you'll say yes uh, more, in a more aggressive, more, more risky, uh, more, more faith-filled way. And so that's what we're about. So uh, that was kind of a long, long All journey, right. but that's, that's where we are. A great answer. Uh, you know, the whole thing about being a believer in this time, some people refer to our day as post-Christian. And it, it's heartbreaking, really, to, to think that America has arrived at a deserving title. Like you said, when so many of our young people today have not even heard the basics of the, the well-known Bible stories that almost any schooler in the 1800s, any person that had gone to a, a public school would have been very versed not only in the Bible, but but especially with the stories from the Bible. Not so today. We know that that is the case. What kind of pushback then in this post-Christian mindset, especially in a state like California, what kind of pushback are mm-hmm. you guys getting out there personally as teachers? Oh, yeah. Well, it is it is intense. I just was on the phone last week with a teacher out here in Southern California who is a delightful man of God, full of faith. Love this, love this guy. Um, he is being required in his middle school to teach uh, what, what I call, well, it's hard to say it over voice because you have to see it, but, but um, this radical sex dad, we spell it with three X's, you know. Um, but we're seeing this uh, in various places around the country. And California is leading the way. Uh, there was a law passed in 2015 called the California Healthy Youth Act that mandates this kind of sex ed. And it, and it does many things, uh, as you might expect. One, it, it, it enshrines into, into curriculum, into state-required curriculum, the whole LGBTQ worldview, you know, uh, gender and, and mm. you know, limited numbers of genders. And, 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 what, and the, effect of, the effect of that, beyond as bad as that is, that we're, you know, teaching our kids these kinds of lifestyles and normal and that, and that um, you know, gender isn't God-given or bio- even biologically determined. Uh, it's just whatever you want it to be. And that's, of course, is, is bad enough. 
But what we're seeing kind of in the next step is what then it does is it reduces sexuality to just plumbing, if you will. And it's kind of feels ugly to say that. Uh, and it assaults our senses as believers because we know that that um, God gave us sex as, as a gift of intimacy and connection between a man and a wife. And and these curriculums just reduce it to plumbing. And so it becomes, well, which which practices will not give you STDs? And, oh, you should experiment with those. And so it really just... Um, oh, it just corrupts these kids so badly, uh, and it's just hard, so hard to watch. But he, as a Christian in, in one of these schools, realize you can opt out. There is a provision in the law to say, I'm not going to teach this stuff, but you know what the law also says? The law says if you opt out, then uh, uh, the school can bring in Planned Parenthood or the ACLU or some group like, some group like that to teach your students. Mm. And I don't know about any Christian teacher – who loves their students? Who would say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn them over for ten days to the to Planned Parenthood." I mean, I mean, not in their life, right? And so, so this this teacher is being watched over and required to teach his curriculum, and it's just breaking his heart. And so, I was on the phone with him for a couple of days in a row, just saying, "Okay, what what's tomorrow, and what's the strategy, and how can we how can we mitigate this, and how can we you know maybe cut this out." And, and uh, it's it's heartbreaking to see that. And for for people, uh, you know, for Christians in the schools who will stand in the gap and and mitigate the worst effects of these things, and then be there for the positive times as well. Uh, that is just so critical. And that, and not every Christian can do that. Um, but I, I know God has called. So it's kind of like Daniel, right? Daniel uh, served under Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. And he probably had to do a lot of things that that he maybe didn't didn't really like to do. But when it when it came time to uh, he couldn't, you know, had to violate his faith. There he drew the line. He said, no, I'm not going to do this, right? And so, but I'm sure he had to enforce certain laws that he wasn't thrilled about, um, you know, he, he serving in the government as he did. But, um, but man, that is, that is a, just a real tough situation. So we're seeing what I call this sort of this, uh, this woke religion, you know, coming into our schools. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with this woke concept. And I, I've Develop this uh, idea. Not, it's not unique to me per se, but but just to point out how much of this ideology we're seeing is like a religion, uh, and it's coming into our schools with the gender stuff, with the with the you know the, the critical race theory and, and the uh, diversity, equity, inclusion trainings that are informed by critical race theory. It's coming in with this, with the sex ed, you know, in, in all these ways, and and. Uh, uh, you know, we can go through a little bit of that if you want. This explaining how this sort of functions like a religion. Yeah, let's do but, that. Let's uh, it is. Let's pick okay. that up in the next break. I'm up against a break right okay. now. Uh, in the All next right. segment, rather, and we'll talk uh, more about that because it is it is definitely like a religion to these people. They're uh, giving their hearts to it, and it, it is really scary, really scary. David Schmus yeah. is my guest today on the program, and he's from California. We'll be back on the line here with him in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. On the line with me right now is David Schmoos. He is executive director of the Christian Educators Association International, and he's based in Orange County, California, not Florida. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, on that um, part of the country that we here in Florida hear so much about, and uh, it is really heartbreaking to think about what fellow believers, just like you, and I, I find it personally very refreshing to talk to somebody like you that lives in this state, again, that we Floridians 
watch and we wonder how in the world, I mean, all of what went on in the COVID lockdown with the churches and not being able to meet. I mean, strip clubs could operate, but churches could not. What mm-hmm. what yeah. in the world has happened to America? That's what a, a lot of people think about when they think of California. But yet here mm-hmm. are people like you who are just like people like us everywhere who believe yep. in Jesus. And you're having right. to you're having to live. And I, I really appreciated your word. You're, you're having to mitigate the impact that these rules, that these laws, that some of this teaching that's been mandated mm-hmm. in the curriculum, you have to mitigate it in everyday life, in real life, yep. because it's yep. there and we know it's there. Yep. Just like you mentioned CRT, that's there along with mm-hmm. all the LGBTQ plus 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 and whatever yeah. ex- yep. extra is going to yep. come with it. But I mean, you yep. know, I, my hat goes off to you, sir, for standing and mm-hmm. standing firmly and not only making a stand yourself, but really leading the way and showing other teachers how they can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and you think about it, you know, of course, a lot of a lot of people listening to this will say, well, just put your kids in, in private school or homeschool, and those are wonderful options. Um, but realize, you know, 85 to 90% of, of America's kids are in, in public schools. And so if we pull our – and I'm not saying what any parent should do. My wife and I, we homeschooled. And so I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not saying put your kids in public school. What I'm saying as adults, um, we have a responsibility to reach this next generation. And, and the kids that need it the most, if you will, because they're the most you know, unreached, uh, are in our public schools. And so uh, that's why we say, hey, the public schools is a mission field. You know, I'm not saying send your own kid there. If you, that's up to you between you and the Holy Spirit. What I am saying is, hey, church, uh, let's send adults into the public schools as missionaries because they can have tremendous impact. Uh, and and we are, you know, we are living in Babylon in many ways. I know it probably doesn't feel that much way that as much that way in Florida, but it, it certainly feels that way here in California. Oh yeah. Said. And so, and that's the mentality. We we bring the kingdom with us where we go, even if the government, even if the school, even if the authorities aren't aren't supporting that. Uh, but uh, that um, it can get kind of exciting to see what God will do you know, in in situations where um, where we're kind of up against it, if you will. So many of our songs even employ the concept that, well, at least I know I'm in America where I am free, and uh, the freedom of America that's kind of uh, almost immortalized in lyrics and songs. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if you're in your state, it's anything but but uh, safeguarded by the general populace, by the school boards, mm-hmm. by the teachers associations. Uh, they would not be buying into that one little iota, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, oh, completely. But let me say this: when you love kids, and when the whole when God is on you, you carry something, and the world sees it. And yeah, sometimes there's persecution, of course. Sometimes there's hostility, and, and we're seeing that. Um, but but our schools, even in California, are desperate for people who carry what we carry as believers, who carry integrity, who carry compassion, who carry love, who carry responsibility, who carry excellence in, in, their, in their craft of teaching. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I stopped teaching in 2015, and I, I would say things weren't quite as crazy back in 2015, obviously. But um, I could tell I had tremendous favor on my campus. I didn't know that right away, but as longer I taught, I realized that because of what I carried. 
And, um, and, and if we do it right, if, if we walk the way Jesus did, um, the, the world will be the path to our door in m- many ways. And I know that doesn't always happen. It, sometimes the opposite happens. Obviously, Daniel was during the lion's den, okay? So yep. I get it. But, um, but man, Daniel had tremendous favor all most of the rest of his, his career because of what he carried, and we can do that too in our public schools. That's a great point. Uh, Daniel lived his entire life. I mean, we forget the fact that he was just a very young man, a teenager uh, with the story mm-hmm. in the beginning, uh, where, uh, you know, they began and and they refused the food of the king and mm-hmm. all of this. This was this was the beginning for him. And that that followed him, like you said, all the way through to Daniel six, where he's thrown into the, the lion's den. And uh, and even then uh, you see the the lack of courage in Darius who threw him in while he's secretly hoping in his own heart that God's going to deliver him. And we live in that kind of day where a lot of our leaders are more afraid of the mob, this woke mob, and and they are doing just what Darius did in his day. They're capitulating to the mob and giving in and not living out even what they want to do. I believe there are a lot of people that might be in some of those roles that are just going ahead and laying down to this uh, mm-hmm. left progressive left movement because yeah. they are afraid of of wrinkles in their own life. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you know this this wokeism if you will functions very much like a religion as I started to say earlier. I like to explain a little bit more about that. You know, if you look at at this woke ideology um, it bears many of the hallmarks of a religion. For example, uh, it has original sin. Of course, the original sin in woke theology, if you will, is, is privilege, right? It's, it's mm. uh, you know, we talk about white privilege or male privilege. It's having privilege. And so the, the method of salvation in woke religion is getting woke by renouncing your privilege and becoming an ally uh, by deferring or yielding power or yielding influence to members of, quote, oppressed groups, right? Uh, it's, it's really about power and power dynamics and surrendering power, and that's how you get saved, if you will, if you're, if you're a, a pri- part of a privileged group. Um, woke religion has a, its own set of sacred texts and clerics, if you will, P- people like Ibram X. Kendi and Robin DiAngelo and Ta-Nehisi Coates and, and these uh, people who are paid you know, tens of thousands of dollars to go around the country and, and, and advocate uh, these ideas, and, and people are forced to read their books, etc., um, woke religion has a caste system. I don't know if you're familiar with intersectionality, but the idea that uh, the more oppressed identity groups you mm-hmm. can claim belonging to, the more your opinion should be valued um, or, or, or trusted. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's sort of a, a modern-day caste system uh, in, in woke religion. There's a dogma, a set of core beliefs followers cannot question without expulsion or being canceled. Of course, this is where cancel culture comes in, right? If you question the dogma, uh, of the woke, of woke religion. Uh, and then two more things. One, it has a worldview. Uh, woke religion sees human nature, history, and good and evil as explained as a function of power dynamics between sexual, racial, or other identity groups. In other words, that's the lens by which they see all of human history is this power dynamics between identity groups. And finally, uh, woke religion has a practice uh, that practices that emotion and narrative trumps empirical observation. For example, uh, how I feel about my gender trumps my biology. Uh, how police make me feel trumps data on safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, how your arguments make me feel trumps whether or not they are true. And my lived experience trumps any competing claim to reality. 
Wow. And so we're raising up the we're raising up these these students who live this way, who live out of their emotions, and reality is determined by what they feel. And and uh, you know it, it, it's it's making a mess of things. And I'm happy to see that 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 in the last I feel like just in the last six months there's starting to be a lot more pushback um, against some of this, especially on the transgender issue. But uh, this is this stuff is 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 invading our schools. Uh, uh, more and more, and uh, teachers who are standing up to it, you know, are, are experiencing a lot of that persecution. But I think if we can make the argument that this is religion, uh, this is philosophy, it's not empirical, it's not evidence-based, and that's the that's the tactic. If teachers can say, "Look, we should we should apply evidence-based solutions uh, to these uh, problems we're facing. Show me how the things you're advocating are evidence-based." And then we'll move forward. And that's sometimes been sort of a blocking mechanism that some teachers and some others have used, not only in schools, but in other organizations to sort of keep some of this stuff uh, at bay. But it's it's a challenge. Man, that's quite a lineup that you've just given right there. All those bullet points that prove that this is like a religion to them. Privilege, sacred texts and authors, a caste system, Mm -hmm. dogma, worldview and practice. Everything that Mm -hmm. you've listed, the only thing it's missing is a, a Sunday offering, but they don't have to worry yeah. about that because the state has become their collection ushers, right? I mean, they're the ones. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they're the ones yeah. that are uh, sticking the hands out for all of and, the money to come in. And for teachers, that's the teachers' unions, right? Because the teachers' unions are collecting hundreds and in some cases thousands of dollars a year from teachers all over the country, and they're turning it around to advocate uh, for all these kinds of things. In fact, the uh, National Education Association at their summer conference last year. Uh, passed a new business item, one of their one of their resolutions, to say they're going to spend union dues on not only advocating for critical race theory, but also doing opposition research on any groups that oppose critical race theory. And they specifically mentioned the Heritage Foundation. So in other words, oh, teachers' man. union dues are are paying to do opposition research on the Heritage Foundation and other groups that you many of your listeners probably love and support. And uh, so that's that's why I, I'm such an advocate about teachers getting out of unions because. These unions are, are getting $2 billion a year in union dues, and, and most of that money uh, in some way or another through you know, sta- uh, salaries of staffs and, and, and contributions to political groups and, and, and candidates are, are forwarding this agenda. And so the first thing you got to do is, right, is, just, is stop digging the hole that we're in, right? <laughs> first, first, first law of holes is stop digging, right? We've got to stop spending – we've got to stop giving money to these teachers unions that are, that are uh, doing this to us. So – um, that's a that's a big big push. I think one of the big questions that people ask when they hear people like you talk, and they realize, wait a minute, this is what I thought was going on. Now I know it's what's going on there in the school organizations. The first question that a lot of people will bring up to me when I'm talking with them, and they'll say, "How did we get to where we are?" I would love your answer to that. What do you think it was, and when did it start? that it got to be this crazy where mm-hmm. while as a nation, we still have the inscription one nation under God on our coins and on our dollars. Yet mm-hmm. this is the reality that you are having to live under in California every day. When did this start, mm-hmm. David? Well, gosh, that is a, uh, that question might be a little bit above my pay grade, but I think ultimately it's spiritual in the sense that, uh, you know, there's a famous uh, paraphrase of a Chesterton quote. I think he didn't actually say it this way, but the paraphrase is, um, when people stop believing in God, it's not that they'll believe in nothing, it's that they'll believe in anything. 
And I, I think that's ultimately what we're seeing here is that when a, when a culture rejects God, uh, Romans one, right? God gave them over to a depraved mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, uh, right. And uh, and so they'll, they'll believe anything. Uh, and and that's what we're seeing with this whole gender stuff. You know, that there's a limited number of genders, and you can make up make it up as you go along. And gender is assigned at birth, and uh, whatever, right? So. Uh, you know, when that started, of course, a lot of people point to, you know, the removal of prayer from schools in the early 60s. You know, uh, you can you can make arguments for lots of those things. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, we're in this mess and f- uh, f- fundamentally it's spiritual. Right. It, this is a spiritual blindness uh, on a mass scale. Uh, and so I think the the solutions are spiritual. Right. We we need revival. We need yeah. people of faith to step out and 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 hear from the Holy Spirit and step into faith and bring the kingdom, bring the culture of the kingdom with them and, and do the works of Jesus and all those things. Um, and I, I, you know, legislation laws are great. Uh, you know, would ne- I, I appreciate some of the things uh, your governor is doing and some others around the country, for example, laws that uh, protect women's sports, I think are critical. Uh, we've, we've got, a, I think we have 15 states now that have, that have banned biological boys from competing in girls sports. And that those are, we, you know, m- may there be more. Uh, but ultimately, this the solution is is found in the church. It's found in the prayer closets. Um, it's found in our own hearts, and and uh, and so that's why we are big advocates for for getting Christians into these schools uh, where they can uh, carry out the ministry of Jesus. I had one guest that told me that they feared that America had already crossed the Rubicon. That was the phrase they mm-hmm. used, and that it it in some ways may already be too late for us to recover. But I don't hear that kind of fatalism in you at all. I hear you say mm-hmm. that people need to be filling the gap. People need to be stepping in the gap. People need to be living yep. their lives out and resisting yep. the CRTs and the LGBTQ yep. teaching and agenda, and yep. that it's not too late to make a big difference. Yeah. And I think I think while we need to do the worldview work of, of showing why these things are false, and, that, and we're we're doing part of that, obviously, even in this conversation. But ultimately, realize the New Testament was written to people in a culture that that were more oppressed, that had, that had less safety, right? That had less freedom. That's right. And yet, what is the message of the New Testament? Right? The joy of the Lord. Yes. <laughs> you know, Philippians, the book of Philippians, is all about carrying the joy of the Lord with us, and and praise, and all you know, give thanks in all circumstances. And you know, we are carriers of astonishing joy. And when, when you walk into a, a dark, dreary, depressed, discouraged public school and you carry joy, oh, my gosh, uh, that is like a hand grenade of joy going off in that place. Mm. And uh, that's, that's what we're talking about. You know, when, when, we, when we carry joy, uh, regardless of circumstances, because we know and, and have an intimate connection with Jesus and we get filled up on a daily basis, and we carry that. Uh, the, the world can't do can't do anything to us, right? Uh, the world can't stop that. And I don't I don't know what the future of America is. Um, you know, I love this country. I've taught AP US history and government for years. Uh, I was a political science major. I'm, I'm immersed in the in the history and the values and the constitutional uh, importance and all the all the. I love all that stuff. But ultimately, right, we are citizens of the kingdom. That's right. And so whether or not America revives or America doesn't, we have a responsibility to carry Jesus wherever we go and to walk in that joy. And that's what I'm going to do, and that's what we're going to train teachers to do. And we'll, we'll leave the results up to him uh, because we can't control that anyway. We can just we can just control how faithful we are uh, to do that, and we'll leave the results to him. So 
Yeah, that's that's a big burden to carry. Is carrying the carrying the weight of of, of this country on your shoulders. I, I I'm not going to carry that burden. I'm going to leave that to him. But uh, we're going to do our part and uh, see what happens. Yeah, I think that occupying until he comes. That's something that we've got mm-hmm. to do. We can't give up, and we we mustn't right. give up in any way, shape, or form because the Lord is still with us. And I love that old adage, that old image of the fact that we all know how this story is going to end, and it's going to be mm-hmm. on the Lord's side. Uh, that's where I'm putting my hope and my faith. It's on the Lord's mm-hmm. side, and, and I'm believing that that's going to win the day. My guest today, David Schmoose, you can see why this man is loved by all that uh, are under him and that serve along and are influenced from his words because... Yeah, yeah, there's just a little bit of inspiration coming from this man here today with us. I'll be back with David for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Back for one more segment with David Schmoose from California. David is the executive director of the Christian Educators Association International. And he has many years under his belt as a high school teacher, uh, AP history, government, Uh, as an advisor for Christian clubs, and boy, being one that loves FCA, I I really appreciate Mm. those men like you who make those kinds of clubs and others as well on our college campuses and high school campuses. They make them, there's still an openness, uh, still a legality for those to be there, and thank God for that. So thank you for what you've done for all the Christian clubs as well. Now, what yeah. are the, what are yeah, the, f- let me say that this Mark, uh, uh, Mike about that, sorry, that, um, that the laws governing those kinds of things are federal laws, which means that even in a place like California, okay, you can still have FCA, you can still have Christian clubs. Uh, and so, uh, that we're so thankful for that, that, uh, that's the example of the constitution really helping us out there. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's an important point for people to remember. It is a a great point to remember, and I'm grateful for the foresight of our founders and others who have gone when, let's say, the wokeness hadn't uh, yet awakened. I am so grateful that those laws are there, and these uh, people are are able to have clubs, these groups like FCA, which is one of my favorite uh, on-campus organizations. I love it. I was a part of it up in Gainesville Mm -hmm. for many years. Uh, just think it's a wonderful, wonderful work. Now, you help teachers. One of your roles, and I would say it goes even beyond that, it's one of your passions, is to help people who are teachers to get in their heart and in their mind that they can indeed live their life out and live their faith out in a way Mm -hmm. that they can keep their job, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so I like to talk about what we do is kind of doing two things, if you will. Uh, on one hand, Christian Educators Association is a professional association. That means we offer uh, $2 million professional liability insurance. We offer a job protection benefit that provides a local attorney uh, for you if you have a job action against you. Uh, we offer unlimited legal and educational consultation. That means we have people on our staff, like retired superintendents, uh, who kind of know the ins and outs of how all these things work. And if you have a question, and it doesn't, these aren't just about religious things. I know people sometimes will think, oh, if I have a question about my FCA club or a question about, you know, can I, can I talk about Easter in my class or whatever? Uh, yes, we will certainly answer those questions. But we're also, we'll also answer questions like, oh, my gosh, a kid uh, went out of control in my classroom. I had to restrain him to, hurt, to keep other kids safe, and now there's a bruise on his arm, and his parents are, are, are coming after me. What do I do? Or, 
Um, I was in an IEP meeting and, and I advocated for a kid and it went sideways and now I'm being disciplined and what do I do? And, you know, so any, anything that happens on a, on, a, on, a, on a public school campus, we are here to walk you through those situations. So, so we're, we are that professional association that kind of has your back that makes sure that our teachers uh, don't lose their jobs. Uh, unless, of course, they, you know, some people do things that, that do deserve uh, jobs, uh, losing their jobs, and we can't obviously uh, – uh, prevent that prevent every time but but generally speaking if if you act with integrity uh, and honor we'll we'll be able to keep your keep you from getting fired and then and then uh, so that's the first thing we do and the second thing we do uh, is we then we take those members of ours and then others as well and we're we're growing significantly we grew twenty five percent in last year so a lot more teachers are coming our way um, we equip them to walk out their faith legally in the schools. We have several ministry initiatives that involve uh, some online things. We have a Rise Up Summit in October, um, and that's at riseupchristianeducators.com. We had over 12, we had almost 12,000 teachers uh, join us last year for that. Um, we had Francis Chan, we had Alistair Begg, we had wow. Greg Kokel, um, and people like that to come and speak to our, speak to teachers. Um, we have uh, two ministry initiatives that we do that are more like local events called Awake and Lift. And I'd love to, you know, get on our, if you get on our website and at CEAI.org and learn more about those, those are really designed to say, hey, how can we go from being fearful, isolated uh, public, Christian public school teachers to having community and to understanding our role and to understanding uh, how God wants to use us and, and uh, stop believing lies about ourselves, about God that inhibit us and prevent us from stepping out in greater faith. And and so those are amazing opportunities. Uh, we just did one in, in Memphis uh, two weeks ago that uh, someone said that after the end of the day that she thinks she had been experiencing deliverance during the during the the awake day. And uh, so we're okay, more freedom, yay God. Mm-hmm, you know, we're yeah. all about that. So. So, yeah, we're, so we're doing a lot of these kinds of things. We have an award-winning magazine called Teachers of Vision that's completely free online. Our paid members get a print version of that as well. Uh, it's, uh, the new issue just came out. There's several articles I think that, that uh, uh, teachers would, would value, including my story about, about unions and, and those kind of things, as well as some, some great stuff about testimonies of stepping out in faith. And that's at magazine.ceai.org. Um, so, yeah, lots of things we're doing to try to equip these teachers uh, to walk out their faith and not be in fear and, and not be isolated. That, those are the, the kind of the twin killers, I think, of, of Christian teachers in public schools is that they're fearful and they're isolated. And if we can conquer those two things with faith and with connection, uh, man, look out, because uh, God is going to use this army uh, to, uh, to bless lots of kids and to possibly even change this nation. So we're, we're certainly praying for that. Oh, I'm praying with you on it, man. And when I think about leaders like yourself, leaders in the area of education as well as other other fields, so often it, it doesn't take, it's surprising, it doesn't take as many good leaders like yourself to really make a big difference because people start catching on and you speak from such a, a podium, if you will, of uh, this position of executive director of the Christian Educators Association, uh, that a lot of people who are hearing this are going to be emboldened and believe, yes, we can make a difference. So I, I invite all of our listeners to begin to pray for David, pray for this organization, CEAI, and pray for California. We in Florida should pray every day 
for especially, I think, the residents who are believers, who are, are, are fighting this fight of faith, and you're doing it out there. Not only do you have the, the woke crowd in education that's kind of breathing down your neck constantly, but you also have the media, which is so influenced by Hollywood out there in California. And speaking of that, can you, can you give a moment what's happening right now for those that are like you? What kind of um, impact would you say that this message is having? Are you seeing a rise of Christians within the media out there who are willing and becoming maybe a bit more bold to speak out? Well, you know, I'm, I think I'm seeing the same things you guys are seeing. I, I you know, probably not much of a media expert by any means, but uh, I'm seeing that more and more celebrities, well, I don't think of people like maybe Chris Pratt or others who are uh, getting bolder about, about saying, uh, talking about their faith, you know, because realize our, our culture is so broken um, and, and it's getting so ridiculous what these people believe that, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like joining the club, but kind of like, are you, you know, are you a fool for Christ or are you a fool for someone else? And, and, when, it, when it's so obvious that the rest of the culture is, is so foolish that uh, um, admitting we're a fool for Christ, if you will, um, it doesn't seem yeah. <laughs> it's less difficult. I don't know. But, um, hey, uh, Mike, I wanted to, I wanted to make uh, two more uh, quick points before we go. One is um, that, hey, we are, we are a national organization. I don't talk a lot about California, and that's where I'm based. But we have people all over the country. In fact, we have staff in Florida. Uh, we have people uh, based everywhere and members from all 50 states. And so if there are Florida teachers that are, are wondering about joining us, realize that their your membership dues, your union dues are supporting this agenda, even if your local association or maybe even your state association isn't as bad as some others. Um, but, the, but the federal or sorry, the National Association, the NEAAFT, the, the, the agendas they are supporting are, are, are awful. And your money is doing that. And so certainly consider that. And I also want to add uh, one resource on our website. If you go to ceai.org slash faith webinar, that's ceai.org slash faith webinar, this is a completely free, about one hour long webinar that basically walks you through all the legal do's and don'ts. You know, what, what can a Christian educator do legally uh, in a public school uh, without getting fired, right? How can they how can they represent their faith? Uh, can they wear a cross necklace? Can they have a Bible in their desk? Can they answer questions honestly from students? You know, uh, these things are all addressed uh, in that faith webinar, and I really encourage you to uh, send people there, and it's completely free. Wow, that's great. You know, I I listen to you, Dave, and I am inspired. Uh, I began my college career uh, aiming to be a math teacher. That's what I thought mm. I was going to be, and uh, what well, it wasn't it turned turned out to be that path for me but along the way uh i and since that day i have always carried a love for not only teaching and being called into ministry getting to serve young people and through a, being a youth pastor for a number of years serving in that way mm-hmm. so i i've lived that out in a maybe different way than what i was but i go back to those early 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 times when i w- when i was thinking about teaching and the impact that you're able to have uh, man this th- what i've heard you say today is enough to not only fire up students who are still in school who might be listening maybe college students who are uh, just wondering if they've got enough gas in the tank to make it through. You can do it, but especially for mm-hmm. teachers 
who are hearing you, how encouraging it is to realize that there's an army of people. We may think, and they may try to make us think that we're all Mm -hmm. alone, but there's an army of people like you who are waking Mm -hmm. up and saying, I'm not going to be part of that woke mob. I'm going to be part of what God is doing today. Yep, absolutely. Well, well said, Mike. Well, I, this has really been fun. Now, your your whole uh, thing that you mentioned in segment one about being a homeschooler, I've got to ask just enough time to ask about that. How long, where, what was it like when you guys started as an educator like yourself for home education? Well, that's funny because we were home educators before I was a I was a public school educator. So ah. uh, <laughs> kind of happened in an opposite direction. My my wife and I are both educators, uh, and we just had a sense from the very beginning that maybe the Lord was calling us to do something else. And so um, we have uh, been been blessed with the homeschooling experience, and uh, we now. Um, have a, a new little one. We have our, our daughters are mostly grown. Our last biological daughter is 17, so we're almost almost about to launch her out. But but um, we now have a 14 month old foster that we're looking like we're going to be able to adopt. So it looks like we. we might oh be my goodness! All over again. Yeah, you're starting and, all uh, over. <laughs> so so we're yeah, but no, we're we're big believers that that God has a plan for each child and and. If parents of wisdom will seek the Lord and will ask the Spirit to lead them, uh, whether that's homeschooling, whether that's private schooling, whether that's charter schooling, public, traditional public school, uh, I, I believe that, the, that there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to that question. And then if parents will seek the Lord, He will lead them, and, and that will be a blessing. And uh, I just, yeah, we encourage parents everywhere to, to, to trust the Lord to lead them on that. I, I so appreciate that. David Schmoose, give us your website one more time, if you will. Yeah, C-E-A-I dot org. C-E-A-I, that stands for Christian Educators Association International. And I just have to say, David, I'm going to have to take uh, David Piccolo out for lunch as a thank you for introducing me to you, man, because this has been a a really fun time. And uh, please know how important i believe your message is and hope that you can check in with us if you come to florida you got to come by the studio my man i will absolutely mike and thank you for spending this time with me today david and friends thank you for being with us as well we'll see you next time right here on afternoons with mike